Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church. If you're a guest, we are in the middle of a series on the book of Mark. We've entitled that series, Incredible. Incredible. And this morning, the message is from Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 44. And this morning's message is entitled, Banquet Fit for a King. Banquet Fit for a King. We love banquets around here. Whether the banquet is uh, a quinceañera, whether it's a wedding, whether it's our most recent Two Hearts, One Love Valentine's Day banquet, or the old extravaganzas that we used to do. We love banquets. We love the laughter. We love the food. We love the dancing. We love the loud music. We just love to get dressed up, don't we? And go have fun together as believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, today's message is about a banquet. However, in Mark 6, 30 to 44, you will realize very quickly that this banquet is not like the banquets we have here. It's not in some ornate banquet hall. The tables haven't been set with fine china. This banquet is going to take place in a desolate place. But this banquet is a banquet fit for a king. Because the host of this banquet is in fact Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So before we read this banquet in Mark 6, 30 to 44, let's pray. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to your word. Lord, I pray that we would see you the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that we would hear the message you're wanting to communicate to us through this banquet. And I pray this, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, your Spirit presence within us and with us right now as believers. Amen. Let's read the text, shall we? Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 30. Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 30. This is the feeding of the 5,000. A very exciting miracle. It's found in all four of the gospel accounts. We're in Mark 6, verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now, many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he, Jesus, went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, 
How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Now, picking up the narrative in verse 30, we find out that the apostles had just come from ministry and they were reporting to Jesus the results of that ministry. If you look at verses 12 and 13 of chapter 6, you will find out that their ministry was miraculous. It was in the name of Jesus. They taught the gospel of God. They called men to repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed many with oil who were sick and healed them. They're excited. Ministry has been really incredible. But they're also exhausted. They're excited and they're exhausted. And so they come to Jesus and in verse 31, Jesus sees these exhausted, exciting men. There was so much happening around them that they had not even had time to eat at the end of verse 31. And he says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Now Jesus is going to lead them to this desolate place to reveal himself to them further and to grow their faith deeper. Two things I want to highlight from verse 31. Number one, Jesus often calls us to come away to him so that we might be refreshed when we're exhausted. Someone once said, if we don't come apart, we will come apart. The disciples were exhausted. They were tired. They needed to rest. Are you exhausted? Are you tired? Do you need to rest? And if you're here as an unbeliever, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, first of all, thanks for coming. But let me just tell you, the only place to find true rest for your soul is Jesus Christ. So he's calling them to come away to him and rest. In fact, this series in the book of Mark is designed to give you rest. We're wanting to bring Jesus and present him to you and say, come away and rest in Christ. For he alone will provide you your rest. Number two, I want you to notice something in verse 31. He calls them to a desolate place. Now, just between you and me, if I had my choice of where I was going to rest, it wouldn't be a desolate place. It would be a delightful place. Maybe in the fall, drive up to Gainesville and watch the Gators, the Mighty Gators play. Stay godly, folks. But most certainly, a nice island somewhere in the Caribbean. Maybe St. Vincent. Give me a beach. Don't take me to the desert or a wilderness or a desolate place to rest. 
That's exactly where Jesus was taking them to rest. Three times in this text, the term a desolate place is found. Look at it with me. In verse 31, he took them to a desolate place. In verse 32, they went away in the boat to a desolate place. And in 35, the disciples said to the Lord, hey, this is a desolate place. Note that carefully, church. Jesus will often call you to a desolate place so that you might know more about him and find true rest in your heart. Listen, you cannot buy rest. You can't. Now, there's a great tourism industry for which we are very grateful in Florida of people trying to buy rest. It fuels our economy. But let me tell you, as you're driving home from Disney, you will find the rest quickly disappears. As you're ready to disembark from the cruise liner and wait for five hours to go through customs after your week in the Caribbean, your rest has vanished. And if it doesn't vanish then, it will when you get into traffic in Miami and try to get home. Rest is not about a place. Rest is about a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. In verse 32, they climb into a boat. Do you remember the last time they climbed into a boat? It was in chapter 4, last Sunday's message. The last time Jesus led them somewhere, it was into the teeth of a furious storm on the Sea of Galilee. If you look on the screen, you'll see the map. They climbed into this boat, and they went to rest in a desolate place, most probably around Capernaum, on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. The last time they had climbed into a boat, they actually went from Capernaum eastward across the sea to where it says Gergesa. And that instance, and they're remembering this, by the way, as they're getting on the boat, they thought they were going to die. But Jesus led them there so he could reveal himself to them that he is the Lord of creation. That he can tell a howling wind and a rising sea, peace, be still, and whoop, peace. And it was still. And just as Jesus led them on that trip to reveal himself to them, to grow their faith, so Jesus on this trip is revealing himself to them to grow their faith only this time. What Jesus wants to reveal, well, it's found in verse 34. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is leading them into a desolate place to reveal to them that he is their shepherd. Point one, Jesus is our shepherd. Do you feel like you are in a desolate place this morning? Do you feel alone, abandoned? Jesus very well may have been leading you there so that he can reveal himself to you that he and he alone is your shepherd. Not your bank account, not your job, not even your brother and sister. Jesus alone is your shepherd and no one can separate you from the love of God in Christ. And that is what he wants to teach them. And that is what he wants to teach us in this narrative. Jesus is wanting to correct this crowd. It's a great crowd, church. 
In verse 33, it tells us that when they saw Jesus get onto the boat, this boat built for 15, and launch out into the Sea of Galilee, go back to the map, they were following their uh, trip probably up a little bit the coast there, and they could see them and saying, there he is, there he is. There's a lot of them. Some experts say that with the 5,000 men that are listed in verse 44, there were also numerous women and children. Many conservative estimates say that they were upwards of 15,000 people. Imagine the Miami Heat Arena letting out for a game. 15,000 people running up the coast. Hey, there he is. And here's what they were doing. They were remembering what they just saw his apostles do in casting out demons and healing the sick. I can just imagine they're carrying some sick people with them. Like, my dad's sick. My dad has cancer. Wait, there he is. My brother is, 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 is seemingly demon-possessed. We need your help. But here's what most of them were saying, and particularly in the northern part of Israel, where there was a real zealous group of men that wanted to overthrow the Roman government, and they saw the things Jesus was doing, and they saw the things that his disciples were doing, and this is what they're saying. Hey, this is the Messiah. This is the king. This is the one who's going to lead us in political and military victory over the hated Romans. And man, they're following him, they're following him. And they either figured out where he was landing, or some scholars would say, Jesus, as you know, they're going along and they're trying to rest, he looks over at them. And he, I mean, can you imagine 15,000 people like jogging on the screen, you know, as you're going on the boat? And he just said, Stop there. And in verse 34, he gets out of the boat and he looks at these people who do not know who he is. And he says, I have compassion on them because they're looking for a shepherd that is military and political to lead them from the slavery of bondage to Rome. And I want to share with them that I am the shepherd, the good shepherd. I am that shepherd king. I am their shepherd, but I'm going to lead them out of the bondage of sin and the peril of the wrath of God that's on them apart from me. So what does he do? He gets out of the boat and he immediately begins to teach them. Do you see that in verse 34? And he began to teach them many things. Oh, friends, Jesus is here this morning to teach us many things. If you're looking for a savior and a shepherd, but it's the wrong savior and the wrong shepherd, listen carefully. Here is what God is teaching you. I can only imagine, friends, that he was teaching them what Moses had taught them. That he was teaching them who this shepherd truly is. In fact, I think he might have been thinking of Numbers 27, verses 16 and 17. This is Moses, 1,500 years earlier, writing about the people of God in the desert, a desolate place, as God formed them, led them out of Egypt into the promised land. This is what Moses says, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be as a sheep that have no shepherd. Jesus taught them the truth of who this shepherd is. He taught them the truth of this Shepherd that Moses was asking God for. This shepherd that Moses was prophesying about. This shepherd who would not be political, but would be spiritual. This shepherd who would be like David, the shepherd king, gathering his people, blessing his people, 
delivering his people from the lostness of a desolate place where you have no hope, where you have nothing but death, a desert. As a matter of fact, I think Jesus was teaching them Psalm 23 as well. I don't know. I'll find out when we get to heaven. But I think it would be very appropriate that he would be teaching him this. Psalm 23, verses 1 to 4. A psalm of David, the shepherd king. So the son of David is teaching them about who that shepherd is. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He's teaching them this in desolate places. He leads me beside still waters, beside the waters that he stilled on the Sea of Galilee. He restores my soul. Do you need your soul restored this morning? Jesus alone can do that. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Jesus is about to prepare a table, a banquet for them in the presence of their enemies, the very desolate place that he has led them into, because he is revealing himself as shepherd. And as shepherd, he turns to his disciples, his apostles, and he says, I will reveal to you what a shepherd does. See, because they didn't get it. Though their faith had grown, it still had more to grow. And we understand that because in verse 35, Jesus has been teaching a long time. It's now evening and the the situation's getting chaotic. Imagine 15,000 people and the darkness is falling and amongst them there's some political rabble-rousers that want to actually go to war. So these are violent men. There's a lot of young people. There's there's children. Everybody's hungry. It's in the desolate place where the wild animals are and Jesus is calmly teaching and his disciples start freaking out. So one of them, whom I will call Captain Obvious, Verse 35, when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is not now late. Isn't it great? We, we love to come up to God and just say, are you aware that this is a desolate place? Do you know what time it is? Yes, I created time. <laughs> I love these guys. I, we are them and they are us. So, here's their suggestion for the one who's revealing himself as the shepherd of Israel. Dear shepherd of Israel, tell your sheep to get out of here and go find their own food somewhere. Verse 36, send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus, the shepherd of Israel, Jesus, the true shepherd, the one that cares for our souls and doesn't just manipulate us, Jesus, who does not have an agenda other than the Father's agenda, he's thinking a shepherd doesn't do that. Shepherds don't tell their sheep to go find their own food. Shepherds lead their dumb sheep to green pastures and say, come and eat. 
but they didn't get it yet. They got that he was the Lord over all creation. He could still a storm, but they didn't understand that he was a shepherd. So what does he say to them? Verse 37, he heightens their consternation. But he answered to them, you give them something to eat. (laughs) Knee-jerk reaction, pastoral issue, and need identified. And Pastor Pino goes into immediate action before he engages his brain. Why do I say that to you? Because look what they say to him. Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Now, what's a denarii, you ask? A denarii is one day's labor. Get it? 200 days labor. So let me just take two-thirds of your salary and go feed a rabble-rousing bunch of people for one night. What are they doing? They're just not thinking. They're like, ah, we got we to gotta feed up. What are we going to do? I mean, some, some scholars are saying they probably didn't even have the money. They were just talking out of the side of their head, you know. They didn't know what they were doing. They were panicking. That's what they were doing. (laughs) That's me. God gives me a task. He reveals himself as shepherd. And he's saying, listen, I want you to provide for these people. And when I look at the problem, when I look at the pastoral problem, it reveals my lack of faith and who is asking me to do it. And it shows that I have a long way to grow because instead of looking at Jesus as the supply, as the shepherd who's going to figure it out, I suddenly try to do what he's asked me to do in my own strength with my own resources. See, this is exactly what Jesus was after here. He led them into a desolate place to reveal himself to them, to reveal, yes, their lack of faith, but not to rebuke them, to grow them gently. Again, desolate place. He led them into this impossible situation so that they would come to an end of themselves. What impossible situation has God led you into right now to come to the end of yourself? It's not to curse you. It's not to frustrate you. It's to reveal himself to you as your shepherd. When we come to the end of ourselves, then invariably we come to Christ. We come to the one who's our shepherd, who has an inexhaustible supply. Even in the desolate place. We come to Jesus, point two, who is our supply. Listen, Jesus is our shepherd and he's our supply. Have you come to a desolate place in your life? Have you come to a place where you look at God's call and you look at your resources and you say, I can't make this happen? It could be in your personal life to walk in the ways of God in a way that would honor God. Sanctification. It could be in your home to love your spouse or your children, or disciple them. It could be at work to provide for your family. It could be in this culture as we build the church and as we try to reach our community. We hit this place where God's call and our resources do not line up. God wants to tell us that Jesus is our supply. And that's what Jesus did. And going back to our narrative, look what he does in verse 38. As he begins this banquet... He says to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Oh, friends, 
the one who is asking them to check how much bread they have is the bread of life. The very one who is saying, go find out how much bread you have so we can feed these people is the inexhaustible supply of the bread of life and yet they didn't see it. So they go into this crowd of perhaps 15,000 and they come up with five fish and two, five loaves and two fish. John's narrative here, his account of this, tells us that it came from a young boy. So basically what they had to feed 15,000 people was a lunch packed by a Jewish mother for her son. Like Moses, when he looked out over Israel, perhaps 2 million people in the wilderness 1,500 years earlier, and was overwhelmed by the task in light of his meager supply, so the disciples at this moment were overwhelmed by the task in light of their meager supply, and perhaps you're there too. You look at God's call, you look at your resources, and you sense what the disciples sensed. Some sardines and bread are a nice appetizer, but they are hardly enough to feed 15,000 people. And though the disciples were filled with doubt and discouragement, as we at times can be filled with doubt and discouragement, they obeyed the Lord because they had grown in their faith since that storm on the sea. So they had just enough faith to obey here. So if you notice in verses 39 and 40, they do what he says. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. In groups where? On the green grass. In the desolate places. Yes. Because God's there. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And many people say that that was intentional to draw their attention to Moses because this would remind them just like Moses fed Israel in the wilderness and just like Moses cried out to Israel in the wilderness. So the disciples are crying out to God to feed this crowd in the desolate place. They might have been thinking what Moses said in Numbers chapter 11 verses 13 to 14 and 22. Moses looking at 2 million people, just like the disciples looking at 15,000 people. And Moses with maybe a few more resources, but just like the disciples, nothing near to meet the need, said this. He's talking to God. Where am I to get meat to give to all this people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I'm not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. Verse 22. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them and be enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them and be enough for them? And what God did then and what Mark is trying to point to in our account and what we need to remember today is God brought manna. He brought the bread of life. To feed 2 million people and sustain them for 40 years in the desert. No Publix, no Aldi, not even a Chick-fil-A. God will provide. God will provide. When he asks us, how many loaves do you have? He wants us to look at him. Because he's the bread of life. He's that manna in the wilderness. That's what it was pointing to. He is the one who has an inexhaustible supply We look to him. And now Jesus is going to reveal who he is to them. Look at verse 41. He grabs those five loaves and the two fish. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. He looked up to heaven and said a blessing. 
and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. Though they were in doubt, though they were in unbelief, they did and obeyed the Lord Jesus Christ and they were about to see the most incredible miracle of all. Jesus is now hosting a messianic banquet. Quite a contrast to the banquet that Herod hosted in the verses just before our narrative. Herod, the puppet king, so-called wannabe king of, of the Jews, had hosted a banquet, a deadly banquet, at the end of which John the Baptist was beheaded. Herod did it to ingratiate himself to the people and use the people. Jesus holds a messianic banquet, the true shepherd, the true king of Israel, not to use the people, but to care for the people, to reveal who he is to the people. Friends, at that moment, the desolate place became a place of plenty. A place of plenty. Because as Jesus lifted his eyes up to heaven and probably uttered the common Hebrew prayer at table time. Praise be to you, O Lord, our God, King of the world who makes bread to come forth from the earth and provides for all that you have created. And then he broke the bread and he broke the fish and he handed them to the disciples and they passed them out amongst 15,000 people. We read in the text, verse 42, and they all ate and were satisfied. Only God can truly satisfy Only God can multiply our little and make it great. Only God, friends, in Christ can make our desolate places a place of plenty. You can't do it for yourself, but God does it for you in Christ. Jesus is our supply. It's interesting. When they all had eaten, there were 12 Baskets, And these weren't little baskets, like dainty little baskets with flowers in them. These were probably the huge baskets used by the Roman armies to put the food in, to pass out, to to feed their soldiers. These were rugged, heavy-duty baskets. Twelve of them. So God supplies. He takes our meager little bit that we have in supplies. And when he's all done, there's more left than when we began. Only God can do that. Only God can take our little meager brokenness and use it to feed his people and care for his people. Here's where this story is going. Here's the conclusion of the story. That we have a God who is a shepherd and who is a supply and he's our shepherd and he's our supply. And this story tells of God's love for us because as Danny Aiken says in his Commentary on this text, Jesus showed his love and came to the rescue in a desolate place to feed the 5,000. He showed his love and came to the rescue in a lonely place on a hill called Calvary. So the feeding of 5,000 is going to point to the hill on Calvary. Actually, the feeding of the 5,000 pointed to the Last Supper. Because Jesus took the bread, he blessed the bread, he broke the bread, passed it out. So the early church saw the feeding of 5,000 as pointing to the Last Supper. And the Last Supper is pointing to Jesus' death on the cross. The ultimate supply of the ultimate shepherd is to give his life, to give us eternal life. The bread of life. There is a great hero in the Bible. He is our God. He is our rescuer. He is our shepherd. He is our savior. 
He's our supply, I would say. He is Jesus. And may we church now look to Jesus, our shepherd and supply. If you're in a desolate place, I don't know what your desolate place looks like. It might be relational. It might be financial. But if you're in a desolate place, God is your shepherd and he led you there. That's right, you heard me right. God is your shepherd and he led you there. God led you there. You do not get anywhere apart from God allowing you to get there. Nothing comes to you that God doesn't allow and you don't go anywhere that God doesn't allow. So you're in your desolate place because God led you there. Because God wants to reveal to you there that he's your shepherd, that he's your supply. Whether it's change in your character, whether it's love in your marriage, whether it's faith for your children, whether it's provision for your finances, whether it's health in your family relationships. I don't know what it is, but God led you there and God will supply for you there because he is your shepherd. Let us look at our situations, these desolate places, not as problems, but as opportunities to trust God, to know God and to glorify his name. Take the little that you have and bring it to Jesus Christ as your shepherd and supply and give it to him and watch him multiply it and grow your faith and enable you to do works that bring him glory. Let us pray. Worship team, please join me. Lord, as I pray, I'm well aware that there are some here that are seriously in desolate places. Others, they... They're in desolate places, but they're not desperate. But there are some here that are desperately in desolate places. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them as their shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. That anything else that has been trying to usurp you as shepherd in their lives, as comfort in their lives, as supply in their lives, Lord, that you would vanquish with your word, that you would teach them, Father, that you are the true shepherd. Anything else they've been looking to to find comfort and supply, they would say no to and they would say yes to you. And the yes to you would be so great and so big, fueled by your spirit, anointed by your spirit, that it would be possible to say no to things that even just last night would have dominated their lives. Habits, corrosive, destructive thoughts, practices, lusts, cravings, anger, bitterness, whatever it might be. Father, that you would come in and say, I am the good shepherd. I will lead you beside still waters. I, I am the one who still the storms. And I'm the only one that can lead you beside still waters. And I will set a table for you. My banqueting table in the presence of your enemies. So Lord, I pray that you would do that. Lord, I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen.